Blog Talk Radio. Radio, and this is Patty Holster, and then you know, like usual, the technology is a wonderful thing, but sometimes it just doesn't quite work the way you want it to work. So, without further ado, we are here live with Dina Reno, Rachel, and she's uh, sitting here with me, and so we're not going to be doing this our usual way, which is usually through Skype, and we're going to use the same phone, okay, to ask your questions, and then I'll pass the phone over to you, so, uh, you know, sometimes you've got to you know, do, I mean, if you want to do it live, then that's that's kind of the point. So here we are alive. I went ahead and do it this way. That way we can still be alive. <laughs> we'll have to record it and then, then put it up later. So we're a little late, but you know what? We're here and, and it's cool because we'll be taking out for six minutes off of every before we go and sit back up. So, Dina, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, you're not, you've got so many books out there, and of course, we have your promotion information on here, but uh, your episode info. And for those of you who don't know, uh, down below, your information about the show is a chat area. You can you can write in something if you feel that you uh, just don't, don't want to call in because it is a it's a long distance call number, and we are at copy rush right now, so we're not sure whether not, you know how much we're going to be able to hear from you. So definitely call in to seven one four two four two five one four five, or if you can rush, as in coffee rush, come on down to Elliott Road and. Elliot and Gurley? Val Vista. And of course, I should know that because it's over by where I used to live. But we're Val Vista and Elliot, and we're on the. Oh, well, actually, there's no, nothing else in any of the corners, I don't think. I think there's like maybe a wild, Walgreens across the street, but otherwise, it's the only major. Oh, Circle K there? Okay. Well, it's not a Circle K, obviously. We're, we're a coffee rush, and so if you like coffee and you like, you know, this kind of sit there and, and watch us actually do what we're going to do. Uh, Rush on down here and see us. We'll be here for the next hour. And we might actually have some, some little trivia things, and we might even have some some uh, prizes for those that actually show up so you could better get down here. Ina, tell us about how you got started in writing, and what was your first book? Well, I got started writing probably in junior high school where teenage angst, just takes hold of your heart and All right. So um, in junior high school, when the, the teenage angst hits you and you've got no no place to go to vent all your pain and heartache, I just started writing poetry and songs because I played piano. And after that, um, in high school, I did write a couple of short stories, which never saw the light of day. 
when I became a teacher much later on, I was teaching writing every single day and, and writing samples for the kids to see of short stories. And um, one day uh, on a spring break, I said, you know what? I think I'm going to write me a story. And uh, there I go, sitting down at the snack table with my laptop computer. And all of a sudden, these characters started talking to me. And they were telling me their story. And I just wrote it down. And and I went for 11 hours straight. And the next day I woke up, I sat at the computer again, and I said, so, what's going on with you all today? And it just kept going like that on and on. During a one-week spring break, I wound up having 11 chapters written, and I said, "I, uh, I think I'm writing a novel here. I think that's what I think that's what this is." And so, I just kept on writing and writing every chance I got. And when it was done, I looked at my husband and I said, "I think I've got a novel that I should submit to a publisher." And what's so funny is I never once doubted that. And uh, it just never occurred to me to say that couldn't happen. So that's what I did, and and that was Trinity. Um, And from there on, it's been nothing but writing, 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 uh, more Brethren stories, uh, a different series altogether. Decadent Publishing picked up the Brethren series, and they just love those hot, sexy angels, and I love them for loving them too. A little bit of update. It looks like chat is down. Uh, they are trying to reconnect it, uh, to the server apparently, and we are not um, live for the chat. So those who wanted to send me a little information uh, and, and ask questions, not going to be able to do that at this time. So it's just still reconnecting the server. Everything else up is up. So if uh, Talk is, is uh, listening to this message, might want to double-check the server on the chat, slash chat. So... We will leave it be as a doubt. So, uh, you know, I you know, you know, those things happen. He's got to dodge and weave. <laughs> got to go to the flow, she says. Yeah, and, okay, so you just one day, you, you want to write your, write your story about yourself, kind of, and you wound up into fiction. Is it something that you like, or do you often read fiction the most, or do you read, had read before that, more nonfiction? I am a big-time fiction reader. Um, I moved out from Ari- from New Jersey to Arizona, and I didn't know a soul, save for one person, which was my aunt. And um, every day I-, I found a library near my house, and I would go there on a Sunday, take out a dozen books, and go back on Sunday, take out another dozen books. That's all I did every day was just read. And it was summertime, so I had that luxury because I'm a school teacher as well. So I'm very much steeped in the fiction, very much steeped into the, the fantasy realm of things, the paranormal. The first, the first thing that grabbed me in paranormal were the vampires and then the shifters and then the ghosts and then, of course, Sherilyn Kenyon's Dark Hunter series, which, holy moly, it was the most incredible thing I've ever read. And Karen Morning's uh, Highlanders, Time travel, Highlanders, oh my goodness. Yeah, so um, because of those influences, um, that kind of uh, fiction kind of, you know, tickled my brain and said, you need to write something in that realm. And we need to pick a, a group that 
hasn't been widely represented yet out there. And that's how my angels came to be. Yeah, I have to say I really I love your uh your coverage. You know, that's one thing it really you know, I'm very fussy about. And I love your coverage, just your book waitress. You know, it's interesting that that you call it waitress and I thought it was really appropriate to do the coffee time here, uh, with just talking about your book waitress book. <laughs> So tell us about these particular series and, you know, where you are in it and what can we expect. Well, thank you so much for the compliment on the book covers. Uh, I will tell you, the Brethren series book covers are created by Fiona Jade, phenomenal artist. She just took the covers, took the concept, and ran with it. And currently, um, she just made a poster of all the Brethren for me which um, won't be on sale, but they'll be available during giveaways and such. Um, Now, my cover artist for the Book Waitress series is Scott Carpenter, and I love him so. I remember him saying how he was dying to get his hands on some urban fantasy, and boy, oh boy, once I gave him Book Waitress, he just soared. So he's got four covers now to the Book Waitress series, the first three original novellas, and then the uh, paperback and e-box set of all three together. And so, um, yeah, it'll be very exciting. Now, um, in terms of how many books are out there, the Brethren series has three novels out, Trinity, Relic, and Elixir. And the fourth book is about to be written. That's on my docket. Uh, and with the Book Waitress series, it has three novellas currently. Um, the Book Waitress... Devil Du Jour and Demon Alla Mode. You can also get Demon Alla Mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and the reason behind that's all kind of foodie, you know. Um, I love that play on words. The next set of three books is going to be geared more towards um, books. Uh, the next book in the series is A Hunting We Will Go, which is a little play on. Uh, yeah, A Hunting We Will Go. Yeah. And then Rockabye Demon and Pop Go the Beasties. Yeah. I love making the titles fun and unique because it's so dark and you know, you gotta have a little breather here and there. You gotta have a little fun. So uh, you know, that's how I roll. <laughs> and you know, it goes along with your personality, I think. You know, you've got the fun personality and because of that you you're one and a half fun with your writing. And I really think that makes a difference on uh, how people perceive your writing. And then, of course, you know, they'll want to, uh, you know, here, we will get two o'clock in the afternoon because we figured it would be a little lighter here. And we got all sorts of grinding in the background. But, you know, it's kind of funny to play on words. It's days of grind. <laughs> and here we are, got the grinding in the background. So everyone, you know, be patient with that. But, hey, at least you know we're actually someplace. They would never have it that loud if they were pretending. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we can have sound effects, so we wouldn't have made it quite that loud. So, uh, but, you know, the idea is that, you know, you've got to be half on your writing, and that comes out in the actual, you know, writing of the book. And you said that you write every day. You writing on a book every day, or do you write some other things in order to get involved with it? I write every day, not necessarily on a novel, but it's either a blog post or a posting on Facebook 
or, um, you know, just like an article of some kind. I'm always writing something. And I like to change it up a bit because I find if I'm stuck in a routine of writing every single day on a novel, then uh, it goes stale for me. I like variety in my life. I like diversity in my life. And so you may find I'm writing a piece of poetry one day. And like, okay, so I didn't write anything on that particular novel. But that's okay. It's not the end of the world. Um, I I had gotten myself into a routine where it's my goals for each day were getting so many scenes written. And that was how I did it in the beginning because word count was very daunting to me. Um, nowadays, I'm not scared by it because I can see where it goes. I've been writing long enough that I see, okay, yeah, I can do a word count. I can really calculate how much I need. Um, but sometimes that doesn't work. If I don't reach my goal, I'm like, yeah, you know, but I got the scene done. I got that, you know, I don't leave a novel, a manuscript with a scene unfinished. So that's how I roll. And again, like I'll write poetry or a blog post for my blog or a guest blog. That's what I do. Um, I was talking to another author, uh, James Gurley, yesterday. He was saying the same thing where he's writing a scene and he's got to finish it. Um, and, and otherwise, you get if you get distracted, then you're not in that particular mode. And I think I've noticed that a couple of times on, on my book where I got interrupted by somebody. And it kind of changes a little bit uh, the speed of it and the tone changes a little bit because of the fact that you got interrupted in the middle of it. <laughs> For me, it's like if my scene is interrupted, the emotion that I originally felt is no longer there. And and I have to go way back to read up to that very point where I stopped and say, now, where was I headed? What was I thinking? What was I feeling at that point? So if I'm home and the kids are home, I make sure I put my earphones on, get the rain noise going so that I can really concentrate and get that scene taken care of. He was saying the same thing about feeling, the feeling of, of the uh, of the piece, you know, that particular scene goes if you were uh, if you stop in the middle of it. So it's always a good idea, everyone, to finish the scene. Um, yeah, I just like you know, take the kids off or or you know, husband off as they just minutes, minutes, you know, and uh, get it done. Uh, and then of course, yeah, the hard part is do you, do you uh, outline it first or fly by the seat of your pants kind of thing. Trinity was completely pantsed. I went to that table. I said, speak to me. And the story did. But that was the end of it. <laughs> From that point on, a relic and onward, I I don't plot it out as um, intricately as many authors do. I don't do a storyboard. I don't pin things up all over my wall. I don't make fancy outlines. Basically, I do. I write like a back a back jacket blurb for my sake because really, when you see that, it's where you start, what's going on in the middle, what's the problem, what's the issue, and the question is, you know, you always end with the question like, will this be resolved? Will they find love? Will they? I write that out, and it's for me to find out. <laughs> for me to figure it out. I know where I need to start. I know what I want to have happen in the middle. And I know where I want to end up. 
and that's it um, in terms of plot. Now, when it comes to character, that's when I go into a bit of detail. And again, I do it differently than a lot of other authors who have a very clear um, graphic organizer or whatever. For me, it's simply the name. I give them physical characteristics. I tell, them how, I tell myself how old they are. Um, I give them personalities. I work on their personality and finesse that. I'm a psych major, so I like to get into the psyche of these people. And I make a backstory for them where because the more in detail and depth you go into creating this character, it's kind of like building like building um not building but crafting or sculpting with clay from the base and going up, and you just start seeing this image appear um the more details you give to that character well. What are what are the characters' motivations? What are the characters' flaws? What are the characters' issues? What about the people around this character that influence that person? And and so you begin to get a three dimensional person rather than just a flat one or two dimensional character. I uh, remember when I went back and was doing that for all my character analysis on, on different characters. I even gave a birthday. <laughs> Because, you know, uh, we would like to think so or not. Sometimes we're influenced by the stars. And uh, we have certain characteristics because of whatever, whatever our day is. So, uh, and it wound up being funny how it, uh, they, they, they fit. It was kind of weird how that worked, but they fit. And uh, you can even go from there. So, character analysis is a good way to do that. Um, if you're doing a series, you kind of, once you get the first one done, you start plotting the rest of them. Once I had, uh, I'll talk about Trinity first and then Book Waitress because it's very, very planned out. Um, when I started with the Brethren series, I definitely knew I wanted to make it a longer series. And so I needed to make sure I had enough people to work with, that I needed a global idea. So I made sure I had this global idea, this overarching idea. And then I said, well, within that, there are going to be issues. And from that point, um, I made sure that each novel introduced characters that would be integral to the next book in the series, introduced plot issues that will be integral to the next book. Um, now, as far as the Book Waitress series goes, I knew I wanted it to behave like a TV series. That was always first and foremost in my head. And so I said, well, that means they're going to be shorter bursts. So each episode is a novella and I said but I also know that people like choice and some people like reading shorter pieces and some people like writing full-length meaty novels and so that's why after every three novellas the they will be put together into a full-length novel for people to enjoy that way so they each episode is written seamlessly to end and then begin without any kind of um, hiccup if you will, in between each book. So I've got 13 plans for The Book Waitress because just like a 13-part series, now if you're good at math and you say, okay, well, every three books that leaves one left over, you know, what, what are you doing with that? Well, the 13th is going to be by itself a full-length novel. It'll be that two-part episode finishing up the finale, the season finale, you know, in this case, will be the series finale. So I'm really am making sure that the Book Waitress series behaves in all manner like a TV show. Paying homage to Joss Whedon and his Angel series and Buffy and 
and the charm series is not him, but you know, just that whole genre. I'm going to stop for a second and remind you guys that you can call in 714-242-5145. We've got to switch for it up. Just can't seem to get the chat working, which is fine. Um, Usually we take questions and answers there, and I I hate to try to get Facebook up considering our our spottiness of of being able to be up. So we want to make sure we stay up during the whole time. We always check it. See if there's any, any, any peeps that want to ask questions. I'm going to walk over for a second and talk to our guest, our uh, host here, and find out a little more about Coffee Coffee Rush. I know there's three locations. Hello. We're we're on live, and we'd like to to know what your specialty is. We're we're on live right now, and we want to know what you, you can tell us what your specialty is. Oh, he says a black and white mocha is awesome. And okay, that sounds really yummy. Anything with caramel on it. So, and of course, he grinds his own coffee. He's got a lot of different, a lot of beans up there. So you guys, you know, pick those, pick from the, you know, beans he's got up there. And he's got these are for anything. Okay, so he's got that's not just Ronnie's in order to actually put a little bit of different flavors into your coffee or tea. So that's what his specialty is here. And we're, again, we're a coffee rush. Looks like I'm going to need to clean the floor for him again. Coffee rush at Elliott. Elliott Road in Mesa. Actually, it's not Mesa. It's considered Gilbert. So we're on the other side of the border. So <laughs> is this body for getting into Facebook? Getting into Facebook? Just wanted to know if if anybody has any questions, ask them. See if there's anybody has questions for you while we're on the show. Oh, uh, this is your your page. The dean is online right now, so if you guys have questions, uh, get on. Go ahead and get on her page, which I love the, the header that you have it there. Yeah, she's got got two different book books there, which is where I got the name of your show, Serving Up People. Oh, yeah. Uh, It's Serving Up People, so we got to serve some evil here. So we're we're talking about all her books, and, of course, uh, we also have the the WAD newspaper sitting here for anybody who wants to come by and and drop off. And, of course, she's got her books in here, so if you guys are interested in finding out what her books are about, they're right here sitting here. You guys take a look. And, of course, we have lots of... It says, you know, pretty full for us, you know, 2.30 in the afternoon. And so we've got some questions. that I just wanted to give a shout-out for uh, a guy who's trying to get from Malaysia to uh, Finland. He's trying to get there. Uh, and, of course, he needs his, needs his visa and needs all the stuff that goes with the moving from one country to another. And he is on... Uh, catch if you could get on the wa.net that's the wa the wa.net and one of the pages we've got to fit to Finland or bust and he is you know looking to uh, get some help to get him to the other country he's got some work to do with a friend to start a business but he can't do that unless he gets there so every little bit helps everyone 
also put a shout out for a friend of mine on um, that we talked to last week about their movie that they're trying to create called. Um, it's a vampire. It's a vampire movie, and of course, we we definitely like that kind of stuff. And it's a, it's a more on the gory horror level. So, uh, Helsing, as in Van Helsing. So the name is Helsing, and they are also doing a Kickstarter, and would like your support. Uh, they are a local uh, Arizona-born and bred. Um, uh, movie company, so they're definitely starting out this one. They've done some other other movies, but that was through someone else. They just started their own company, and this is their first major uh, film that they're putting together, and so it, every level of helps, and that one is right on Kickstarter, so definitely take a look, guys. So, Dina, yeah. so we're, we're trying to see how you know, a lot of people are not even home yet, but, you know, it's okay, because, you know, this is kind of gift that keeps on giving and that once the show is over it goes into archive mode and just that kind of you know you'd be able to put in you know the information into your server into your website blog yada yada and so it's always archived so anybody can listen to it anytime as long as I'm still on blog talk anybody can get to them so tell us uh, how does your family feel about your writing my husband thinks it's great um, he's probably one of my biggest fans, if not the biggest fan. Uh, my girls, in the beginning, they rolled their eyes. And and to this day, because I write romance, too, it's not just urban fantasy, it's not just paranormal, but it's romance. And So my eldest daughter doesn't even want to know from it. It's just like, Mom, stop. <laughs> well, they may be, but they don't, want to, they don't like the fact that their mom is, or their mom writes that. So they're like, Mom, Mom, just don't go there. And my younger one, she definitely has opinions about the different guys on my covers and you know, who she likes and who she doesn't. It's so funny. So at least she goes, gets into that a little bit. And, and the younger one will, you know, help me with um, uh, numbering, trade, you know, trade cards or helping me with uh, mailings. That's very time-consuming, i got to tell you. I've got a stack waiting for me at home right now that I have to mail out. So um, she helps me out a bit. But the bigger one just wants to, just like, no, the blinders on us. Yeah, yeah, but when the royalty checks come in, Mom, hey, I know what we can do with that. I'm like, yes, so do I. It's got nothing to do with you. <laughs> this time. Yeah, this time. <laughs> Yeah, they learn a lesson. Hopefully, yeah, it, it does take a uh, you know more than one person. It, it really does in order to really get the word out and to do everything that you need to do in order to, to promote a book. And you've got multiple series going. So I know you've got you've got a plan on the thirteen for the book writers books and on the brethren. You've got six. You got six clowns. You never know somebody else might speak to you. <laughs> and I just want to tell you that she, you also offered me a beautiful T-shirt to go along with the one that she's wearing today. And we're going to talk to tell, tell us where you got the idea of the T-shirt. I must give all credit to the Queen of Swoon, Belinda Boring. We were she's like a nearest and dearest, and um, I was trying to come up with a new uh, T-shirt design. And I had the design, um, but I wanted something really catchy. 
for the book waitress in particular, because uh, I already have a Brethren t-shirt, which gets loads of, oh my gosh, I'm always approached, by the way, with the Brethren t-shirt, because it says angels really do exist, and there's constantly people coming up to me saying, I know, I believe that, and it's wonderful, you know, people feel comfortable enough to come over and connect that way, but with this particular t-shirt, what does she come up with? Well, she knows I write about angels, and she knows that I've got demons going on in the book waitress, so she's like, What's the difference between angels and demons? A little sin. And that's a sin is a play on words because the demon who's introduced in Demon Alamo's name is Sin. And I just went, yay, I love it. I love it. And it is spelled differently. It's spelled S-Y-N-N. And uh, so that's why I love the play on words. That's why I have so much fun with my titles and so much fun with advertising. Oh yeah. <laughs> so the waitress has got is it's got a cocktail and it's like it looks like a like a martini glass, martini glass with an olive. So this is this is radio, so you have to kind of explain what it looks like. <laughs> but and that's great because we like like yeah, playing words on a little sin, of course, is in different colors in red, of course, and uh, everything is in black and white. So it's kind of everything's black and white except for the sin, of course. <laughs> yeah, so that's the fun part of it. Uh, do you have a lot of say on on your covers and on the interior at all? I ha- oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I have to say, no red button. I have to say, I'm really blessed because with decadent publishing. Um, there's not much that I need to finesse out of Fiona Jade. She's just incredible. She's, uh, you know, I fill out a form that gives her specifics about what I'm looking for in terms of my characters and what the plot line is, then she runs with it. But she gave me the freedom to pick my, my angels, which was huge. So every guy you see there, I, I pick. Um, in terms of the book waitress, Scott and I work really well together because we're both very picky. And so we'll go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, and so when you are self-publishing, you have all the freedom. When you work for a pub- with a publisher, not so much. And so you really have to um, remember who you're writing with, who you're submitting to. Is it for me? Is it for them? And, and understand what the parameters are and, and accept that. And so I do. Um, and so I've got other books other than The Brethren and The Book Waitress um, where other, you know, where I just put my uh, cover form in and kissed it to the wind and said, let's see what you come up with. And I've been pleased with all of my covers. Um, and Scott Carpenter actually did my Burning Sage cover, which is a short story in Decadent Publishing's new tease line. So I was so excited when I found out that he um, was able to do that. And that was a burning sage is still paranormal, but it's very different from this urban fantasy line that he uh, does for me. Well, I noticed that on one of your books that you got the relic and then you got Trinity. Trinity was the first one. And then you got Elixir. Now, Elixir is a friend of ours. Uh, cover, covered it on the our guy on the cover is a friend of ours who we've had on a couple weeks ago. Obviously, Jimmy Thomas. He has that look. And uh, he definitely got the gift of looking different no matter what he does. Although, I'm not sure about the wings. 
I, I think it's a bad boy through and through, but <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, that's the that's the trick. See, they're not white wings; they're black wings. So, Jimmy, yeah, you got black wings on this cover, so uh, I think that's appropriate. <laughs> so, did you pick uh, Jimmy for the particular cover? I love the story behind Elixir's cover. Okay. So, Fiona, Jade, and Jimmy tag teamed me. They were creating covers together, and as they were making this one, Fiona said, hey, you know, I, I think we should present this to Dina before, um, you know, she, before I get the cover art for him. I think she'll really like this. And so uh, I, Jimmy emails me this picture. I said, what do you think? Do you think you'd like this for your next book? And I and I went, oh, Jimmy, I I have a cover artist already, and and she does all of my brethren series, and I don't have anyone else. And he, so I said, I said, but I, maybe I could use it on another brethren beginnings um, novella, you know, volume two. So he emails me back and says, Fiona did this cover, and, I, and he was laughing. I'm like, oh my gosh, you just tag teamed me, bad. Of course, I want this cover. <laughs> Yeah, that's just sneaky. That's really sneaky. That you know, I think it, it went out very well. Now, the other guys and the other the other books that you have here are they are they also cover um, cover models? Yes. On on Relic, uh, Rico Elbaz is on the cover, and it was so sweet because um, oh, a few months ago. Um, he posted that, oh, my gosh, I'm on a cover. This is my fifth book cover. And a friend of mine who happens to have liked him on Facebook said, he just put your cover up on his wall. And I went, oh, my gosh, how wonderful. So I friended him, and um, he's also on that. All of these guys are on the, the Brethren 9 poster, um, looking delicious. Uh, Trinity has uh, Franco Kiro on it, and he is everywhere but what's so phenomenal about him is that he looks different on every cover that he does um because he's into photography himself you know he models and does photography he photographs other models and he's just incredible so the picture that's on trinity you know it's just so unique because he doesn't look that way on other covers um and 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 then when you take a closer look there's Oh, is that is that him? Um, yeah, yeah, that's Franco Cura. He's just amazing. And his gossip, the gossamer wings. Yes, he's got the white ones, like like. Uh, well, that's Michael. So he's got white wings, like Raphael does. But when it gets to Nathaniel, dude, then we go a little a little deep. Uh, yeah, a little dark because he's got some major issues, um, and so. He doesn't. He's straddling the line between good and evil. Noticing that on, on Trinity and on uh, Relic, both guys are clean shaven. <laughs> and then when we get to Elixir with the black wings, uh, he's got a little little bit look at the hair there on his chin. And so you know he's he's uh, obviously he's, you know, he's got some issues going on. And, and although I do have friends, I you know, it's kind of funny I got. I have friends who who leave their beards. They have like one day beards all the time. 
How do you do that? <laughs> she finds that sexy, everyone. So, <laughs> so tell us that on a second book of, of, um, of the book, Waitress, I believe you have a man on it. I, on the third book, Demon a la Mode, I do have a man on it. And actually, that cover model was photographed through Cura Photography, which is Michael on my Trinity book. He is mesmerizing. I saw his picture and I said, you know, Demon a la Mode, I want a man on my cover. He needs to be there because it's really a crossing over into the next stage of the whole series. He, had, he didn't exist up until that book. And so he needed to be introduced. And he's the ice to her fire. And that's why on the cover there's blue and orange mixing together. And I love that cover. And when I made them into posters, Oh, it's just stunning. Just stunning. Just pop. That's how I was thinking about your, your she doesn't want to stand up right now. And uh, so I was thinking about your girl here. She's, she's got that little pouty look that she's also, she's, you know, it's really just stands out. Got beautiful eyes. So uh, you use quite a bit of, this, of her picture on the cover. And so you, uh, you find that. A lot of books now, especially romance, they seem to be using real people, like real models. Uh, although for fantasy, they used to be real people, and now they're going with more symbols, which I thought was interesting. So it's changed. change. So uh, what is coming up for you? I love having people on my cover, but I love narrowing the focus, which is why I adore the Book Waitress series, Volume 1 cover, because we, we, we see the intensity in her eyes. We see that determination that um, says, oh, yes, Satan, you want a piece of me? I don't think so. I'm going to have a piece of you. And <laughs> um, There you go. Um, so I have a, a new book that I just finished. I just wrapped it up and it's in edits right now called Distortion. The cover reveal is happening on Friday on Facebook and on various blogs. And when you look at that cover, you'll see, yes, uh, my focus, I like to zero in on the face, on the expression. Not telling you any more about the cover because it'll be revealed on Friday. But I really think that, um, you know, you, you want to get emotion out of the covers. You, you want to, people to go, to just go, oh my gosh, for whatever reason, whether it's a swoon or it's fear or it's just gripping suspense, the right cover can do it. And if there's a lot of stuff clogging up the, the photos, I don't like that. So I like simple is better right now for me. I think it obviously depends on, on what type of book that you're writing, uh, depending on whether or not you want a lot of fun or not. Uh, adventures, you seem to like a lot of a lot of things going on, a lot of action, but a lot of things going on. Um, and but yeah, you definitely. I mean, you got a central character on most of your most of your covers here. Sometimes too, you know, the the couple. And then, of course, when you allowed, that's when you went with two, with a couple for the first and second book, and then a lecture, you went with one. So it's interesting how you you think like that. Um, what kind of uh, just you kind of want to go? How do you focus on marketing 
because they're different books, really, the series. So how do you focus on the marketing on those? Very carefully. And, you know, I've made mistakes uh, recently. I had gallbladder surgery in December, and that surgery really smushed a lot of my releases together, and I, there was nothing I could do about it. Like, oh, my gosh, I have all these books. that are supposed to be spread out to make my life livable. But, you know, what are you going to do? That's the promotion side of it. And there are they are very different. So it did appeal to possibly different audiences, although I do have a lot of overlap. When it comes to promotion, the, the key thing is to have one overall brand. And then everything fits underneath it. So, for example, Serving Up Evil and Oh So Good is me. When at Arizona Dreamin' and we were doing the speed dating or the speed meeting with uh, all of our attendees, and I go to the table, I'm like, hi, I'm Dina Remio, I'm Serving Up Evil, and people start saying, and Oh So Good. They knew that, and they chimed in, and I'm like, that, that's good marketing. That's really good marketing. And then um, underneath that are these sub-brandings where with the angels, if angels really do exist, evil better start running. Um, so people know that, that those are my angels. Um, when I market the, the book waitress, yeah, she's serving up evil, but there's always that, that one line that says, um, nothing worth everything comes without a price. And nothing, nothing worth everything comes without a price. And that's her motto. That That's the overarching theme there. Um, it, it, it is a sacrifice that she and others are making to save the world and themselves. And nothing worth everything comes without a price. So there's going to have to be some sort of sacrifice on her part or other people's part that we're not aware of yet. But ultimately, you know, you don't get freedom for nothing. That's true. You know? That's so true. Uh, and that's something to remember. Okay. Uh, again, seven one four two four two five one four five. Letting you know that you've just call in. We have a few more minutes here, and uh, I know where we're talking. Uh, I was talking to you now about uh, doing a in September. We're going to get back out, and we're going to hit the streets, and we're going to go out to some remote towns in Arizona because, you know, they, they, they're starving for us out there. And you bring your boat waitress and, and that will just, they'll eat that up. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so, good guess. You can drink it up. That's right. We're going to drink it up. And so, uh, if you have a uh, a bookstore or uh, anything, actually, uh, I found that the um, uh, libraries, the libraries are awesome. And uh, you guys, if you're looking to, you know, bring a group of us in, uh, get a hold of me. Um, anywhere, you know, Facebook, um, email, uh, through the WAD. Uh, you can definitely get a hold of me and let me know that your area and your peeps are, are wanting us to come in town. And so we bring a good variety of nonfiction as well as fiction authors. And so it will be, and it'll be a lot of fun because we got one guy who, who does his own magic. And I go with his book. So... And we, you know, we got fantasy. We got being here with her fan, her uh, urban fiction, and her romance. So you know, we got a great variety of uh, things. I got time travel, so <laughs> so definitely get a hold of me now because uh, we'll be booking things up uh, in the middle of September and all the way through until Christmas. Because you now we're, we're just breaking it out. We're going to 
hit those towns and we're going to give you guys a good time. So, uh, you know, tell us about uh, your process. Do you write a certain time of the day? I know that you write all the time you can write and that you say that, but do you, do you have a music that you like to listen to uh, uh, that gets you in the mood for certain things? I definitely write when I can early in the morning before anybody is awake and late at night when they've gone to sleep are really good times. So when I sleep, I don't know anymore. <laughs> um, when I first started writing, I could not listen to any music whatsoever. It had to be absolutely silent. Coming from it, years and years of being steeped in music um, and songwriting, and it, I just uh, I can't hear music without tapping my foot and getting distracted. However, Recently, I have been able to listen to music, and I go on iHeartRadio.com, and there's this neoclassical radio, so there are no words, but it's it, it's instrumental, and there are various genres of it, uh, and I just love it. And so the intensity changes from once I don't know what's coming up next, you know, so that keeps me from getting too distracted by the music. Um, I do not have a playlist. I like to move things around a lot because if I get too familiar with the music, again, it distracts me and I can't think. Um, another thing, my go-to uh, distractor or yeah, would be uh, Rain by SimplyNoise.com. And I can I, – I love putting the intensity all the way up. <laughs> well – I have fallen asleep many a time to it, but I put the intensity all the way up, so there's a lot of thunder going on, and I put the volume up really loud. It sounds like it's just pitter-pattering and then pounding on Yes, yes. And that helps when it's really busy all around me. But um, as soon as everyone goes to sleep or early in the morning, I don't use anything. I like it quiet. And that's a, that's a good point. There's uh, different times of day. Uh, I, I've I kind of write in the middle of the night too, um, because for no phone, no phone calls usually. Uh, I do have people who, uh, who interrupt me during Facebook. Now they know that I'm up, so uh, so I try not to check Facebook. <laughs> and then I try to turn the phone down because yeah, otherwise it'll bing every time people say send me something. Um, one of my publishers who found out I'm at at night procedures, he gets home around midnight, so. That's when he finds out if I'm online or not. So uh, then, then goes back and forth, and it's like, okay, after two o'clock, like no more. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it's got to find a time to get in your in your head. Yeah, it's your quiet time. Uh, your characters talk to you a lot. Uh, in Trinity, they did relic a little bit, but I I have to be honest and say that they don't speak to me while I'm out and about and, and say, oh, my gosh, they won't leave me alone. i got to go, right? Uh, I, yeah, and, and I, um, I really I envy that. I wish my characters would talk to me like that. But, you know, maybe they realize if they did that, I would never get anything else done. And I do have to teach children every day. So I have to really compartmentalize my life. And maybe they get that, and I appreciate that. Guys, if you're listening, I really appreciate that. Um, but what happens to me is my process is not that the characters speak through me. It's I enter them. 
I assume their bodies and their lives and I experience everything they're experiencing. And so when I write, the stuff that I'm writing, you can imagine it's very exhausting because of the trials and tribulations that they are put through. Um, so, And it's heart-wrenching and joyous and, and humorous. Everything, I experience everything they do, but because I assume it's kind of like a possession, if you, if you will. Yeah, I think that's what I do. I, 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 I possess them, and then I speak through them. And so I'm feeling the um, inadequacies of Michael as he's talking about his inadequacies. I feel the distrust that Emma feels towards most men, as in the Trinity. Um, the book waitress, I feel her seething anger towards Satan and the why me. I feel it all, and I'm able to hopefully express that uh, well enough to my readers. Uh, that's really fascinating, uh, how you, you know, you're channeling this weekend, and it's virtually channeling. Channeling, how funny. <laughs> the whole new thing, we call it virtual channeling. <laughs> always said they knew we'd come up with do you find that, that is there any any book that you have or characters that you have in your head that you're not sure if is in the books that you have coming up that you're thinking that maybe will be something new that you haven't tried yet? I just wrote a proposal today. So, yeah, I... Uh, something completely new I, I can't really discuss at the moment except to say yes yes uh, the, answer is yes. Yes, sir. the answer is yes I'm always I'm going to tease you relentlessly because that's my middle name everyone who knows me knows that I'm a big tease and you love it you do I know you do <laughs> but uh, yeah there are always stories that are coming to mind to me um, and it can be like for example when I wrote Burning Sage the only reason I wrote it is because my editor came to me and said write me a story and make sure you have your alpha males in there like, okay any other parameters nope okay so it's wide open and today again it was the same Thing, very wide parameter, and um, I'm very excited about this next project. But I also have book four to write. Um, Hannah from Trinity will be both the focus of that book. I have book four of the book waitress. Huge, huge, huge transition there. Can't say any more because you have to read the series. Um, and I have uh, the second book in the Love Among the Ruins series, Burning Sage was first. Um, and it takes place in, on the island of Santorini. This next book that I'm writing, which is already half done, is uh, taking place in Cliff Palace, in the Mesa Verde National Park. The Anastasia Cliff Dwelling there, yeah, it, it pays homage to the musical Brigadoon. So if any of you know it out there, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know, Brigadoon, B-R-I-G-A-D-O-O-N, Look it up. Yeah, it's such a wonderful love story. Which is right where I wanted you to be when it comes to the next question. And the question is, how much research do you do for your, your series or, or different books? Uh, depending on the book, I have to do a lot of research. Um, for 
distortion. There was a lot of police procedural that I had to look up, a lot of law. Um, well, a lot for me. It's like I didn't have to sit with tons of law books, but I needed to make sure that everything that I was presenting was accurate in its depiction of a procedure um, so that people aren't going to be outraged by it because this is my first romantic suspense. And usually they, they got some procedure, a lot of procedural stuff in there depending, you know, because you've got, most of the time you've got serial killers and they have to be brought to justice. And it, so I I really relied a lot on friends um, and their husbands and <laughs> for, to help me make sure that all my police and law procedural things were okay. Um, when it comes to these made-up worlds that I have here, the, the world of the brethren, I have, the only time I really researched um, heavily on the genre as a whole was when I researched the actual angels and what I wanted to do from them. Book by book, it depends on what's going on. There's definitely some police procedural things I had to research there. I had to research place. That's my biggest research is where things are. I, I really want to know. I want to feel like I've been there. And in all of these Brethren books, I, I have been to all of those places. Um, I've never been to Santorini. So when I wrote Burning Sage, I actually went online, and then I contacted a travel dude who has his own blog, and I asked him, what, does the, what does it feel like? What does the air feel like? Because it's always breezy. Okay, so what does the sun and the air feel like next year? I asked him all these really intricate questions so that I could bring it to life for everybody. Uh, uh, well, you know, it is what it is. I could be, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. I do make sure I say, listen, I'm an author writing a story. I want to be accurate about this. I have to emote this place. So, um, and actually it's the setting that usually I create first. When you talk about process, I put myself in place first, and then I make everything else happen. That's an interesting way to do it. Uh, she finds the location first and then she moves out from there. That's, that's a unique way to do that. Just, uh, I know my mom kept wanting me to write about Ireland. She kept handing me Irish magazines yet. I'm going like, no, mom, I write about India. Don't ask me why. But, you know, I love India and, and, and I'm Irish. And my mom said, you know, you had to write about Ireland. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> she was adamant and, and wanted to buy me magazines to get me in the mood to write about Ireland. <laughs> I love your mom, but you know, sometimes you have to write what you feel and you find the location that's right for you. So, uh, not everything has to be in Ireland, not everything has to be in England. No, no not all romance is done in those countries. <laughs> Chris Tawala says Norway is in Scotland. There you go, okay. And that was that's awkward. But <laughs> you got water. But uh, so you have to write what you love, and uh, and that really is the key to writing this much, is because you really love it. Um, I can't see me doing anything else but this for the rest of my life. When I wrote Trinity, I I not only thought, oh, I have a novel here. I think I'll publish it. I thought, oh my gosh. I can do this for the rest of my life and be blissfully happy. So um, what you see before you, there's a table loaded with my books, and um, it just shows a testament to how much I am 
um, invested in making this my career for the remainder of my life. So I know that you do another job as well. And of course, summertime is when you're trying to do so much writing. Uh, we touched you told me tell everyone you know what what do you do in your in your daylight hours by day i'm a mild mannered no i i'm a goofy nut of a te- of a teacher i teach middle school kids um, language arts english and language arts and this year coming up uh is language arts and social studies which i am thrilled and excited about i did that once before and the integration of it is just perfect. So I can't wait to do that again. Um, I love bringing reading to life for kids. Um, and I love when we get to sit down and read together. And they like it when I read to them out loud because I, I guess I'm very expressive. And I, I bring each character to life in the scene. And just every time there's dialogue, I just see the kids just riveted with everything hanging on my very next word, and I love teaching writing. I've had award-winning students um, for most of my uh, career. I've had award-winning students for their writing, um, mostly poetry, actually. Isn't that funny? Because I love poetry, and so it's, I find poetry is the greatest way to bridge um, writing with children who may not have the skills to write full-length pieces and short stories, but because when I, when I um, present poetry, at this point they know all the different forms. I present the free verse. I present the emotion. I, I play music, and they have to write what, that, what image that, that presents. And those are the award winners. Those are the pieces where children's um, uh, emotions, their, their inner self, they lay exposed on the paper. And, and I make sure to tell them, whatever you put on paper, be prepared to share. So if you are going to share yourself, understand that it's to be shared with all. So be careful how much you expose of yourself on paper. Um, and to know that they still take that risk anyway. Everyone just, when we read our poems with each other, they are just, they're riveted like they are to me. They clap. They pat each other on the back because sometimes they write things that, you know, are are wounds. Their hearts have been wounded and they write about it. And it's wonderful that they feel in my home, my classroom, they feel safe enough to be able to do that. That is awesome. I have known uh, other people who have put together a little book for, for uh, youth children, um, allowing them to uh, place a journal to be able to write uh, freely about you know, some things they've gone through and how it allows the writing process has a weird way about it. It allows us to express ourselves in ways that we, we couldn't otherwise say in person. And uh, I always said that, that uh, fiction authors specifically are most insane yet the same people. <laughs> the same as people because they're insane. They really are insane inside. <laughs> but they get it out in their writing and it causes them to be very stable people. Do you find that to be the case? I never consider myself to be insane, but now that you think about it, I think about it. Now that you bring it up, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just get it out. You know, 
I love, for me, when I first started writing the poetry end of it was very much getting it all out, um, getting the insanity out of me, you're right, getting the anger and the angst. But um, when it comes to my fiction writing, my stories, it really is me wanting to escape into another world and me wanting to be the heroine who, who saves the hero because they all do in my books. One way or another, they save the hero um, right back, you know. <laughs> So that's what I love to do. Yeah, your book is fighting with me. <laughs> she is. She is just. She's being problem person at the time. We'll have to bring uh, our little fans. So, uh, definitely an interesting way to. You know, I have a, another author who is uh, an English teacher, and uh, he's done the same thing where he brings his creativity, his creative writing, into the classroom, and and allows kids to express themselves and. Uh, and now they're into gaming. They they built their own world kind of thing. Um, and it's just a great way to do that. My my story is that my English teacher was uh, my biggest influence in in junior high, and uh, and it's all her fault. <laughs> so she got me involved with the poetry. Okay. And then uh, from that uh, introduced me to Ray Bradbury. And then after that, I also take on with what he was writing. I wrote my very first short story and in the classroom. And I did extra credit. And then she, after reading it, she talked me into uh, submitting it to the library science fiction magazine. She said, so how did this say? So, yes, it, it's really badly written. But, you know, apparently uh, uh, it was good enough to get in. <laughs> and I still have friends from that from way back then. Uh, from the experience of, of having written for that, uh, do you is your award winning? In in what manner are they award winning as far as your in your school? Well, I have a few national winners. Um, there is something called the Philosophy Slam, Kids Philosophy Slam, and I have one student who won. He was, and it was my first year entering the kids into the contest, and. Um, the question was, what is the meaning of life? And he wrote a poem, and he became the um, most philosophical fourth grader in America. Yeah, that was amazing. And after that, I had two more winners to that group. One was a fourth place, and one was a fifth place. Each year, they have a different question that you have to ponder. And they chose to write poetry, but um, you could also write essay. And the little itty-bitty, it was K-12. The itty-bitties could draw a picture. So I have three winners overall for the Philosophy Slam. And other than that, it's, uh, Phoenix Symphony does a mu- poetry to music, and I had a winner for that. And she she got to stand up on the stage with the Phoenix Symphony behind her, huge screen above, and she got to read her poem as they played the music. I got to stand in the wings and watch her, and then we all got to go upstairs to a box seat and watch the rest of the show. It was magical. And then district uh, district uh, poetry anthologies, I've had winners in that. I just had one this year and one two years ago. So it's just been – it's just such a source of pride for me um, and happiness for them because these, those kids who won really, truly love writing um, – and the one that won a couple years ago, she already knows she's going to college for creative writing. And she keeps giving me stuff to read. Which, so she's already, like, 
two years beyond, three years beyond me now. And she still comes back and emails me work, which I love. Uh, I think there could be out a lot more things like this in order to really, uh, what they call unique, uh, creative ways for kids to, you know, come out of their shells and and really find their the, the thing that they can fall in love with and do. Uh, so I think it's awesome that, that you know we're coming up with more contests and and more creative things that that uh, ways in order to showcase kids um, because you know they they really need to uh, to put them to give them these opportunities. And so uh, I think it's wonderful that schools are doing that now. Uh, and probably more likely some nonprofit organizations are connected to those kind of things as well. Um, so, yeah, let's see. I'm trying to go through my list. I have that one question that I always ask everyone at the end. Okay. And the question is, now that you have successfully slain the dragon, how will you celebrate? Oh, how do I celebrate? Uh, well, we have had dessert for dinner. <laughs> we ate dessert first. Yeah, because life is uncertain. Eat dessert first. We lived by that. Um, <laughs> um, I also jump around the living room a little bit, get a little like, woohoo. But big celebration. Um, I'm going to save the big celebration when I get to be a USA Today best-selling author and a New York Times best-selling author. When I reach that point, then you can ask me again how I celebrated. <laughs> it's kind of funny because the question is answered differently everybody. And uh, I have asked one person on two different occasions. And it does change. So, uh, they remember the question, but they remember how, how they answered. <laughs> So I said, well, yes, but that's, you don't want to know how you answer there. You want to know how you answer now. And so um, so they answered differently and went back and looked to, yeah, it's turned enough they answered differently. So do we have questions? What's your favorite scary movie? Okay. Um, favorite scary movie would have to be The Shining. I just love that movie. It's so ridiculously scary and funny. I think that's where I picked up on making sure I have snark and humor in my in my horror pieces of it. Oh, signs. Uh, the Shining is with the The Shining with Jack Nicholson and Honey, I'm home. I mean, that's hilarious. Hilarious. Yes, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah, The Shining, and then under that would be the very first Freddy Krueger. Because I've only watched it once, but boy, oh boy, that's because it was a favorite. It scared the bejeebers. What's the next question? Dasha Hope asks, what's the cheesiest pickup line you've ever heard? <laughs> that's a great one, Dasha. By the way, I appreciate that question because those of you who know me know that I will answer any question. So the cheesiest pickup line, um, will you marry me? Truth. Will you marry me was a pickup line. <laughs> Years ago, uh, oh Lord, I was single. I was single, and he was a customer at the fish market I was working in. And he says, Will you marry me? You should. I'm like, are you kidding? 
really? This is this, this is how I get my first proposal? Really? I thought my first proposal would be the last proposal, and it would be by, by the guy who is thoroughly in love with me, would sweep me off my feet. Well, yeah, that was my husband, but so technically my husband was not the first person to ask me to marry them. There's some stunk who says, will you marry me in a fish market, please? Okay, so how did your husband ask you? My husband asked me to marry him with a Vermont teddy bear on the table, a groom. The Vermont teddy bear is a groom, and he attached the ring box to his hand, and the other hand had a little sign that said, will you marry me? It's so cute. It's so cute. Precious, precious. So to this day, though, you know, he says, you know, technically I never asked you to marry me. I'm like, oh, you, you. You can blame the bear. I think that's the song of that. You blame the bear. That's funny. <laughs> so, yeah, so it, it's called creativity. So you, <laughs> you ask the same question, but it was uh, done differently and, and, and more romantic because of how he did it. There you go. Um, when you were married uh, 20 years this past March. Awesome, 20 years. That's uh, that's just great. That's... So, uh, yeah, you have, I know you have kids. Me too. Oh, the two girls that you got her charm on, uh, charm necklace on, with the two little girls on it. And they're not little girls. Not little girls anymore. <laughs> yeah, they'll always be my little girls, but they're 13 and 16, and every bit teenagers that you can imagine. So it's a treat sometimes, and, you know, I could dye my hair every three weeks if uh, if I could afford it. <laughs> but actually, in all actuality, I love having girls. I love watching them interact together when they're good, when they're really gelling with each other. And I love the conversations that we can have right now. I've loved every stage. Being a teacher, uh, I just have that that. Oh, and a psych major. It's all like, wow, look at all these really cool developmental stages they're going through. And now they're big little people, you know, and, and they actually have opinions about things. And we can talk and joke around and just have a wonderful time. And now my youngest is bigger than me. She's taller than me. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I never thought I'd see that day. And rather than being sad about it, I'm thrilled. It's exciting. So we really um, celebrate each plateau together. Yeah, I think I told you that I had a 19-year-old boy. Yeah. I wanted that girl. He knows it. <laughs> but he came out. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah I, I didn't really – I wanted to know what it, what he was inside just in case. You know, I wanted to know. Uh, Mom wanted a girl. I wanted a girl. And, and we, he very clearly was a boy. <laughs> so, yeah, well. And we, we we didn't have a chance to do another one, so we didn't. We were lucky to have one. So, uh, so we had him. Uh, he knows he's a little miracle, but he as long as it follows that he's a boy. But then I realized that you know uh, girls do take more work. <laughs> and that you know what do they wear? They're 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 more uh, in tune to what they want to wear all the time, and and the way they wear their hair. And I, was, I thought that would be a fun thing to do. Until I realized that we had a house faster. <laughs> we got a house faster. They're, they weren't girls. So thank you, Matt, for being a boy. 
it's just, I'm impatient, he's impatient, so, you know, that would never work. Uh, so tell us, that, what are you going to work on? Are you going to write tonight? What are you working on? Well, okay. Um, tonight, tonight is, well, after we're done here, it's about focusing on my administrative duties. So I've got a bunch of posters heading out to people. Um, who uh, won them when I revealed the, cover, the uh, poster reveal last week. Um, writing tonight, I'm actually starting book four of The Book Waitress. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really excited about that. I need to get back in her head. That one has to happen first, and when that one's done, then I'll move on to the fourth book of The, book of the Brethren. I have a whole little cycle, you know, a whole cycle. Um, and you know, it's really important with the Book Waitress series to really stay on deadline because it's every three to four months I have to release a new one uh, because they're novellas. They're short, and people eat them up. They can read my books in a couple of hours, you know. So I, I'd like to have that done. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm going to start working on, sketching it out like I normally do. Not so much with the character bios, although I have to, I have to introduce those secondary characters for the next book. I'll be working on that later. So we're excited to hear that you're you're getting back to that one, and and uh, your your peeps are all saying yeah. <laughs> so based on what you're saying, you 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 work on one book basically at a time. Yeah, I really can't wrap my head around more than one at a time, which gets a little tough when people ask me, "Do you want to? Can you do this for me? Can you write this for me?" And so I wasn't intending on having another series, as in the tease line. But I do. And, you know, those are short. Those are 18,000-word stories. But they are just as demanding as a full length, if not more, because you have to concentrate everything and make it still make it plausible. Um, so time is crunched. Emotions are heightened. And yet you still have to make it plausible. So I find that really challenging, and I love it. So I, I'm like, yeah, bring it on. Bring it on. I'll take another series on. So, yeah, three series. Well, yeah, three series and then whatever else floats my boat. Yeah, which is this distortion. Now, distortion used to be picture perfect. It was a 17,000-word short, 17, short story. And this summer I said, you know what? Everyone's been asking for a sequel. I don't want to do a sequel. I really want to expand it. I want to. I want to draw it out. I want to tease it out. I want to lengthen the story. And so now it's a full-length novel. That was my. That was my job over the summer, was to make it. And so yeah, the, what was it? Uh, yesterday morning I hit the end and went back and self-edited and sent it off to my editor and my beta readers. So um, yeah, that's what's going on. And it's always good to hear the process, and everyone has different processes, and, and they do get to know uh, the authors by finding out, you know, they do want to know, like, how she do it? <laughs> in between blinking, yeah, in between blinking. So now we know what she's going to do tonight, and <laughs> so that when you, as you guys go to bed, you, you can think about, you know, writing her brand new book waitress book. So for those who really love the book, book waitress series, She'd be very excited to hear that she she's on to the next one. Is there anything you want to share with anyone? The last thoughts 
things that we can talk about. Um, I always like to end a, a chat with a, a thank you, and a thank you to my readers, my fans, my support staff, my administrators, on my fan pages, um, my street team. They're called Street Angels. I love everybody. I can't tell you how blessed I feel to have the support and the love from all the people that um, surround me. And so I want to send out my love right back, my angel hugs, and my wings are surrounding you um, because without you, I'm just a person putting words to paper. Um, so I, I appreciate all of you so much and um, love you to pieces and always will. Thanks. I also want to thank you, Patty, because I think our meeting was uh, fated by the angels, too. And you are an angel. Uh, they really do exist, and you're one of them. And uh, so I want to really appreciate what you're doing here. I have to tell that story. <laughs> I have to tell everybody that. Uh, anybody, because you know, she's, she's gotten hold of me before trying to uh, share with me. And it just wasn't connecting because it was in the back end of, of blog talk and you know, get our message. You know, tell us when there's anything there. So uh, I go back and say, oh, but I then your book is already out. So I said, okay, well, I guess that one's going to work. And I said, uh, and so we, we were at the uh, romance, uh, romance, uh, what's it called again? Arizona Dreaming, and it was like Arizona Dreaming, it was uh, a couple months ago. And <laughs> I went into her focus group and said, you know, I handed her card and say, uh, I've got a, a Blog Talk Show, I would like to have you on there. And I know you talked to me before, but she was kind of looking at me blankly. <laughs> I wasn't quite getting it. And then uh, it was later at night when we were getting out, everyone winning certain gift baskets, and and so I won a gift basket, and they said, Patty Hulch. And then all of a sudden, she said, oh, that's who you are. And they said, you're Patty Hulch, and you're that woman. Yeah. <laughs> So it was just, it was really funny. You're the one that's all over Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I said, yeah. And she goes, okay, now now we got to talk. And, of course, you, you're right in the middle of interviewing with somebody else. So I said, well, well it's okay. We'll, we'll meet up sometime and we'll talk about this. Um, but it's just all goes to, you know, going and not being worried about, you know, talking to people and, and, and getting in and talking and, and doing your show wherever you want to do it. And uh, and getting out there and talking to the bookstore owners, and uh, especially in this this time, uh, it, you've got businesses uh, you know going right and left right now. Uh, we lost uh, two stores on the on our list this this last issue for June and July. So uh, summer's brutal here in Arizona for more than one reason, and that businesses are hurting right now, people. So. Uh, if you you know get out, you get out at all. Just go go to your you know your bookstores, go to your your coffee shops because you know they can they need your help in this hot climate and uh, you know where where the money seems to dry out this time of year. So get out there and make it happen because this, you know, every little bit helps. I heartily agree. Please go out there and support your local independent booksellers. Um, we have one in particular. Um, I co-host Arizona Dreamin' Romance Reader event, and Dog-Eared Pages is a phenomenal, phenomenal independent bookseller. So look them up on the on Facebook, on the internet. 
32nd Street and Bell Road. That's where you want to go. That's where you want to be. It's just a phenomenal bookstore. Um, so Dog Ear Pages is our bookseller at Arizona Dreamin'. Uh, and I'd love to promote that to you right now. We are now registering folks for Arizona Dreamin' 2014. So if you go on the website, ArizonaDreaminEvent.com, and look on the right-hand column, you will see an area where you can register for Arizona Dreamin' right there, right now. And let me tell you, folks, we only have a limited amount of space, and we sold out this year, so you want to get in on the action. If you want to know more about Arizona Dreamin', then go on the website and, and look around the place. And um, it's, a, it's a, an experience like none other, that I can tell you for sure. That was a great plug. That's a great plug, yeah. And uh, so, guys, get online and take a look and, and see what's going on. It's right now. It's a good price. And get getting dirt cheap now. <laughs> for, for all those who wait the last minute, you know. I the same thing with conventions. Uh, at Leprechaun, you know, the, we did 2013. And in 2014, we've got it coming up again in the beginning of May, of May. And if you guys get in now, it's, it's only 20 bucks. Okay. Your weight, obviously, the more it's going to cost you. So uh, you get lepre- that's uh, leprechaun.org slash lep40. So it's be 40 years now coming up this next year. So uh, you know, take a look at that as well. I was going to give them a plug. That way down, get on my back, off my back about it. <laughs> I'm your publicity person, so yeah, i got to say something about it once in a while. <laughs> so I'm going to be out at, uh, well, tomorrow we have another show. So... It'll be at our usual time, which is 5.30 in the evening, and we've got uh, the one of the first women of uh, comic books. Uh, she's a uh, creator of a lot of comic book series in yesteryears, and she's a historian for women of of, of uh, yesterday's comic books, and uh, she's going to talk about the past as far as women's interaction with, with the stories in comic books as well as what she sees uh, now and what she sees in the future for women's inspiration in, in, in the comic book world. It's not all about fanboys, guys. <laughs> we got some gutsy ladies out there, too. And, of course, I know you guys like gutsy women, okay? So definitely want to talk about that. And that will be at 5.30 tomorrow evening. Also, I'm going to do a, um, not a live show, but a, a recorded show on Friday. Do you have another question? Oh, somebody got one in the last second here. Coffee talk? Oh, C-T-A-W-L-K. I'm ready. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we have good comments, and, and thank you guys for, you know, here we didn't get the chat to work, but you went through Facebook and got a few questions in anyway. It's awesome. Thanks so much for those who did. Uh, so I will be out at the Mason Second Friday of this Friday. And we'll be doing a show there as well as uh, I have uh, Jen Zepp. She's going to be there with her books. I'm going to have um, Jet Choops going to be there. It's nonfiction. So we've got a couple people that's going to be sitting there. I'm going to be handing out newspapers, and you're going to take one whether you like it or not. <laughs> and i got to get rid of them somehow. So get them out of my apartment, okay, guys? <laughs> So we will be probably very close to the Queen's Pizzeria because we usually try to sit over by there or in front of, uh, uh, pretty close to the Lo-Fi Coffee House. Uh, so that's one of uh, one of our favorite hangouts because we do a lot of book talks out there. So 
Yeah, they come up by on Friday night. They'll be 6 o'clock until 10. I'm probably not going to be there until 10. I'll probably be trying to get back in my car and leaving by then. So come and come keep me busy. And the time will fly, and we'll all, we'll all have fun. I'll have some books out there you guys can take a look at. I might even have some freebies. Hint, hint, hint. So definitely come on out and see us. So next week, we got... I'm still planning now next week because I've got a couple places in the Glendale area that want me to come out and uh, some authors that are looking for locations. Um, so I can't say where that is yet until I make that happen. So next week is still kind of hazy. So I'll let you guys know. As I always do on Facebook, you know where to find me. It's bj.holtrand, H-U-L-T-S-T-R-A-N-D. Don't forget the first T, otherwise you'll never find me. So there's two T's in there. So with that, this is KWAD Radio. This is Patty Ultra signing out. Thank you so much, Jeannie, for coming in because it was such a joy to always talk to you. Yeah. And I'm going to sign out. We're going to.